This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, Ren, we've definitely discussed Instagram way too much. So, I'm going to spring my housemate right now and ask him three reasons why he loves Equity Mates Instagram. Rohan. Uh, it's topical, it's funny, and I've learned a lot about investing and a little bit about myself. <laughs> there you are, testimonial. <laughs> Get around it. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we will help you learn to invest in 20 minutes or less. We help break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren, in the room. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. How are you? Mate, can't complain. We are here with our Christmas special. Yeah, yeah. The first uh, Christmas special that we've done. Yes, this is big. Five-part series, five stocks, and five reasons why we have chosen these stocks. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay. We're off to a strong start here. (laughs) So, episode 86, Ren, we had a bit of a shambles in trying to determine what stocks are. So, to give a bit of a context to this, uh, we've taken a Christmas break. And we decided over that period that we would deep dive into one stock each week that we randomly generated um, in episode 86. You got out a random letter generator, (laughs) (laughs) generated the first letter and then the second letter and we typed it into the ASX website. And if something came up, uh, ASX ticker came up, we would dedicate that company to this episode yeah let's not let's not rehash it all (laughs) go and listen to episode 86 if you want to but um we we chose five truly random stocks we had no hand in deciding what they were going to be uh and the idea is we wanted to just research a company that we knew nothing about and hopefully show the listeners how we do it yeah, or how we don't. <laughs> yeah, don't pick your investments the way we chose these five stocks. <laughs> so the first stock we're kicking off with, ASX ticker is BBN or Baby Bunting Group Limited. Yeah. So I guess what we wanted to achieve with this is not really coming to any sort of buy, hold, sell. Well, to be clear... This is all general advice, or if it can be called advice. So, we cannot make buy, hold, or sell recommendations. Absolutely right. And the, so, what we want to achieve here is just to give an idea of how you might go about finding information on a stock, where you went to find that information, what we looked for, um, and things that we sort of considered to start framing the way that we might consider 
uh, purchasing this stock or not, where it sits in the in the landscape. Yeah, hundred percent. And I reckon we um we kind of lucked into a good one. I agree. Yeah, an yeah. industry that I didn't know much about. Neither of us have kids to uh, pull the curtain back. Yes. Um, you're probably no, gonna, gonna <laughs> sooner, sooner than me. Um, but yeah, I actually really enjoyed researching this company. Same. I'm glad we didn't start with some obscure resources company. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's that's to come. <laughs> um, so maybe let's kick it off by just talking about the company specific. Yeah. Then we'll talk about uh, the industry more broadly. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll get into some of the nuts and bolts of it all. Sure. So, Baby Bunting Group. What if? What? What is it? Had you heard of it before? So, uh, when we first pulled it out, I I didn't think I had heard of it. But then I was driving around the next day and saw like a big sign for Baby Bunting. So it was obviously oh, you know on my mind. Mentioned. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I've probably seen them around before, but never really paid any attention to them. Yeah, no need for yeah. us to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd kind of heard it. I think it was prob- main, mainly because I'd seen it, you know, on Motley Fool and it, it was always in, you know, three retail stocks to keep your eye on. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. For something that, we'll, you know, we'll probably tackle a bit later. But similar to you... That's as probably as much as exposure I'd ever had to it. Yeah. So let's get into the company. Yeah. It is, as you can probably guess from the name, a baby store. Yes. Um, it sells. Uh, it's a, like a specialty retailer for, you know, prams. Um, baby cots. Ba- yeah, 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 yeah. Baby stuff. You know. <laughs> baby stuff. Zero to three year olds is the target market that it's chasing. Yeah. Obviously, they're not the ones that are purchasing. No, <laughs> no. Their products, their, their products target zero to three-year-olds. And it falls under consumer discretionary in terms of your ASX market sectors. Yeah, yeah. So, it's Australian only. Yeah. It has 48 stores as of the end of the last financial year. So, you know, it's it's not small, but it's not a... You know, Target, Big W, Coles, no. Woolies, size retailer. Um, but it is the biggest specialty baby retailer in Australia. Yeah. So it is the market leader, yes. uh, at least in terms of its size. Yeah. 6,000 products across the board. And yeah, I think it's at a very interesting point in its journey at the moment, primarily because of what has happened to its competitors, which we will address well, let, let unless you have anything more specific about the company. Should, no, we can move on. Yeah, let's let's um let's address that because that's yeah. definitely the most interesting thing I found about it all. Yeah. So you've uh you've teased it. So why don't you flesh that out a bit? What what's happening in the industry? Well, over the, the 2018 FY financial year, we've seen a mass exodus in a number of its direct competitors in the specialty baby goods. Uh, retail space, primarily the Toys R Us, Babies R Us, uh, which was their main rival in terms of store footprint. Uh, they completely shut down, went into administration, and now don't exist anymore. Yeah. So uh, that's that's probably one of their major competitors, and I'm sure you have something else to add to that. So to give you a rundown of the five major specialty baby retailers that were around in Australia at the start of last financial year. Four of them have completely shut their doors. 
So uh, you mentioned Toys R Us slash Babies R Us. Yeah. They had 45 stores that they closed. Yeah. Uh, they went into liquidation. The next biggest, Baby Bounce, had 13 stores all done. Uh, Bubs had eight stores that all closed. And Baby Savings had four stores that are, that are all closed. So altogether, what's that? That's uh, 58, 64, 68 stores that all closed. And according to Baby Bunting's uh, investor presentation, uh, in their key markets, that's about $138 million in sales mm. that closed down last financial year. Mm. And so what the, the competitive landscape is looking like now is you have Baby Bunting, which has 48 stores, and it, it's looking to expand pretty rapidly. It wants to get to, I think, 80 stores in yeah. the next couple of years. Yeah. And then you have... A number of competitors that have, you know, one, two, three stores. And then you have a lot of specialty, like one store, local community niche retailers, probably more upmarket, I would assume in their sort of um, ranging and demographics and stuff. Whereas baby bunting is the big box, a bit cheaper. But then the, you know, the 900 pound gorilla in the room that everyone is worried about is online. And there would be online specialty baby stores, but the big one that everyone is talking about is uh, that dreaded A word, um, Amazon. Exactly. So, Ren, you're right. So, I guess to frame this, looking at a company, competition is a very important thing to consider. And that's probably why we've started here. Um, they obviously now have a, a great opportunity to take hold of market share because their largest competitor is completely off the books. But as you said, they've made mention in their investor share presentation that there's catch of the day, eBay, Kogan and Amazon all have baby goods components within them. Now, Baby Bunting do have an online shop. You can buy through them. I went and checked Amazon and and Kogan and eBay and I couldn't really find any presence of Baby Bunting on these retailers, which... I would imagine is surely in their in their strategy to get presence in there if they're solely relying on their own distribution and and through baby bunting then you know perhaps it's something they should consider. Um, but they also have there's opportunity to get into department stores as well. Your likes of Target and Kmart, Big W, who all have baby good components. But I'm not sure if um, baby bunting have presence in there. Or not. So uh, at least. Looking at the company's documents, I think their strategy is a little bit different to that. Rather than trying to sell as third-party retailers through Amazon and these sites, um, their strategy is to have grow their online business. I think their their online business was about 10% of their sales last year. Mm-hmm. They want to grow that, but they also want to have a really differentiated offer. Like They want a lot of exclusive lines, um, private label lines that aren't available in you know, your Amazons, your big department stores, your specialty retailers. So they're, they're trying to differentiate themselves that way. And their private and exclusive brands made up 20% of their sales in the last year. And they're trying to get to 25% this financial year and continue to expand that. I think they're aiming for like 40% in, yeah, in the coming years. I think that's a good strategy. I think both of you know the value in, of uh, own private and own exclusive brands through obviously our, our work and there's a lot of you know your, your cost control of those products is much better than if you're getting in branded products so good part of the strategy before we move on from competition Ren from a, from a top line perspective it looks great 
you know, oh, okay, cool, all of our competitors have just fallen by the wayside and now we've got an open marketplace to essentially do what we want. But two key risks, I think, come, come to mind when we look at this. One is, I guess, answering the question, why have their competitors all fallen away? Is there something to worry about in the broader scheme of the baby retailing space? And two, I think now that they have the pressure from investors of in baby bunting to make the most of the fact that they're now clear market leaders, I think uh, could be a risk for management because if they don't meet expectation and essentially take hold of the market share that they or the opportunity they have, then they could come under a lot of share price pressure if investors don't think expectations are being met. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think you can either look at it glass half full and say basically the landscape has been cleared and they have a massive opportunity to uh, capture all those sales that the other big retailers have. Or the alternative is all these other retailers going under is the canary in the coal mine and the baby bunting is going to be next. And then who, who takes over? Amazon. Yeah, online. Yeah. yeah. Or it's just you buying your baby goods at non-specialty retailers. Yeah. So like your big department stores or something. So it's not a brand loyal industry or... Or maybe there's such a perception of quality at these like niche one, one-off stores that when compared to baby bunting that like new mums and dads just don't want to shop there. Because... Mm. I mean, when you think about it, it's probably one of the few industries, babies, weddings, funerals, where like people aren't that price sensitive. Yeah. So if people think that the offer at baby bunting is, you know, subpar, then yeah. they'll be like, well, I'm not putting my baby at risk. I'm going up market, spending True. more. True. But yeah, look, I think it is definitely a glass half full, glass half empty situation, depending on how you look at it. And if we want to look at how the market looked at it, and I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but they at their annual report was on the 10th of august they released it and on that day their share price jumped 38 percent. really yeah 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 so it was in like the mid it was like 170 and it jumped like 230 or something okay back down a bit now but yeah it's one dollar 98 now or something yeah like yeah yeah when we're recording this when you guys are listening to it who knows True. but yeah i think i think there's probably there's probably a lot of opportunity there and it's just a question of uh, how they get it. So we know what the company do. We've looked at competition. Yeah, so maybe we should stop and say where we got this information. Sure. What the company does was uh, I started with the ASX and Yahoo uh, and obviously Baby Bunting website itself. And then I did a Google search and came across uh, their annual report. And that's where I got sort of the figures behind how many stores they have, target market, that sort of stuff. Um, and competition, I started getting a bit of information through Motley Fool. Uh, what about yourself? So, yeah, at, at this stage, it's all a lot of surface level stuff. So I started with their investor website, looked at their investor presentation, skimmed through the annual report, started reading about just articles and stuff about other the other baby retailers that collapsed. Mm-hmm. And then... The next thing that I did, and this probably is the next point in our research, is I started looking overseas because obviously the Amazon effect is not new. It might be new in Australia, but a number of other countries have 
endured it before and there's a case study that is probably instructive for the Australian industry which is in America there were two different retailers that uh, took different strategies to uh, approach Amazon. Um, Babies Are Us tried to compete on price and they struggled a lot um, and similar to Toys R Us over there they have gone into liquidation but Bye Bye Baby um, focused on service and like that personal touch and really differentiated their in-store offer through the yeah through like that customer service and like making sure the product was right for the shopper um and they grew despite the headwinds created by amazon it's interesting you say that because if you now look at the way that the management are talking about their uh the new stores that are coming out it's all very customer focused and if you have a look at some of the drawings that they i think they opened a store in chatswood the most recent one Mate, it looks like a apple store it's cr- <laughs> it doesn't look like a baby <laughs> store at all yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and you just think uh you can see that the direction they're trying to head that they're differentiating themselves on the service and they're sort of in store uh you know they're going to have people there fitting their cots with the babies fitting car seats all that sort of stuff maybe price isn't going to be the driver so it might work out for them yeah so we have had a look at the company, we've had a look at the industry. Now I guess it's time to look at the nuts and bolts of the company itself. Do you want to kick us off? And as you go, do you want to tell us uh, where you got the information? All right, one of my favorite places to start for this sort of information is Yahoo Finance. I think they do a, a great representation, easy to find, and they give you a really good summary of a lot of the key things. So. Market cap, which we talk about, number of shares on issue times the share price, $257 million market capitalization. That's what the company's worth on the stock market. How much money did it make last year? So revenue was $303 million and that resulted in a $12.5 million profit. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. I think, are we looking at EBIT? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their net, net profit after tax was $9.6 million. So even less than I originally <laughs> thought. 
yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I think their um their EBITDA was about eighteen million, and then their EBIT was like twelve and a half, and then the net profit after tax, which is the money that actually pocketed. So for those that have just joined, EBIT is the number that I was looking at, and that's earnings before interest and tax. Yep. Ren's gone one line down and taken tax out. And that's given you the actual net net profit in the uh, in the pockets of the company. So my apologies, nine point six. So uh, with, with that though, I think different companies value different metrics, and you just have to understand uh, which metric you're looking at and understand the reasons for it. Bye bye baby's target, I think, is a ten percent EBITDA margin. Um, then they're about six percent now. So yeah, look, they're they're all. They all, all the metrics play a role. Um, it's just important to understand what you're looking at. Yeah. Uh, I always like to see if they're paying a dividend. So they're paying a dividend of 5.3 cents a share over a, over the year. And that's giving a yield at current price of about 2.6%. Otherwise, we can probably go a bit further, but anything else you want to add at that level? In terms of how it compares to previous years, yep. it was a pretty tough year for baby bunting so top line their revenue their sales numbers look okay so their sales were up nine percent and their transaction growth was up twelve and a half percent so um the transaction growth is the number of transactions um and then the sales growth is the the dollar value of those transactions so the transaction numbers were up more than the dollar number so it means that there were more shoppers going through but they were buying less Mm -hmm. uh take that as you will the comp number though so the the comparable stores from last year to this year was a was flat in dollar terms so that means a lot of the growth in revenue actually came from the expansion of the number of stores for retail that's a really important metric yeah comp sales comparable growth sales is really important because as you said ren it's comparing like for like this year for last year and it gives you a true indication of the growth of the business, not growth that's been uh, derived from attaching more stores or acquisitions of other businesses on, which you're inevitably going to get top-line growth from anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so looking down the income statement, the net profit, net profit number was actually down 25% from the previous year. So while their, sa- their, their revenue number, their sales number was up, their profit number was down pretty significantly. Uh, so you look at that and you're like, well, something's wrong here. It appears that their cost of doing business has gone up. Where's the cost increase come from? And what the company is saying is that uh, the reason that's happened is the all of the other companies that went out of business that we were talking about earlier, Babies R Us, um, Baby Bounce, can't remember the other ones, but you know there were four big ones that all went out of business. As part of going out of business, they liquidate their stock. Mm. So they try and sell as much of it as they can to recover cash to then give to their investors. And that result, that led to some pretty heavy discounting from mm. these companies going out of business. And so Baby Bunting, um, they their profit was uh, eaten into by trying to either match the discounting or having to write stock off. So price deflation. Yeah. Yeah, very common in retail as well in terms of it's a great correlation between increased transaction number, decreased sales, because if you're reducing the price, 
but increasing the transaction numbers, that's where you're going to result in seeing less revenue than you were last year. All right, so that's sort of top view of company metrics. Where did you find that information? Uh, mainly Yahoo Finance and yeah. also their annual report. Yeah. yeah. And how long did it take you, do you reckon? Oh, not long. Yeah. Uh, nice. So any key call-outs you think in terms of uh, financial metrics that might be a little bit unusual or ones that you look at that other people might not look at or are worth calling out? So the one thing that I haven't looked at, which is not great in terms of preparation, but um, I, I haven't looked at their balance sheet. So what we just talked about was their income statement. The next step in my research would be to look at their balance sheet. And unfortunately, I, I wasn't as prepared as I was hoping to be. <laughs> I have looked at their balance sheet. Okay, so I guess what, what I would look at next is then what is their um, debt situation like? They've got some aggressive targets. The thing that is going to stop them realizing those targets and really be an impediment for them competing online is if they, they don't have the capital to do it. Yeah. And so the way you approach that is you look at their balance sheet. And Bryce has just brought it up. So, Well, let's talk through it, Ren. So you've got current assets at the top of the balance sheet and then liabilities underneath assets uh, being cash receivables, those sorts of things. So as of June 2018, they had $7.2 million in cash on the books. Uh, receivables, which is what they are owed from suppliers or from lay-by or those sorts of things, $11.09 million. Uh, And then there are a bunch of other things in their inventory being one of them. So the total value of all of their inventory, so the stock that they hold across the business is $54 million. Add in a few other things, goodwill, which is essentially what they reckon their branding is worth. And you've got total assets of $145 million. Thoughts on that? Uh, not really. Honestly, I sort of jumped ahead a little bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you have any thoughts on that? No. Okay. Uh, so the where, where I would jump to straight away yeah. is having a look at their short-term debt. Yes. The debt that is coming due soon. Which is? Which is zero. Yes, is good great. news. And their long-term debt. And so if you look at it, uh, they, they have ten, a bit over 10 million. Last year they had four. So they obviously have taken a lot of debt out in the last year. They've doubled their, the amount of debt that they've taken out. And that is pretty consistent with uh, really aggressive growth in store numbers. You obviously need to build the stores. You need to buy the land. You need to fill the stores with stock. Um, and a lot of companies will take out debt to do that. So that's not a big drama. The only drama would be is if the debt number was massive in relation to you know, how much cash they have on their balance sheet, what their sales are. And if you look at the top of their balance sheet, they have about $7 million in cash that they're holding on their balance sheet uh, compared to $10 million in debt. So you'd probably say that their debt situation is pretty okay. Reasonably healthy. Yeah. yeah, nothing to be alarmed. You made a good distinction there. Short-term debt is debt that needs to be paid off within 12 months. Long-term debt is looked at a bit differently. It's paid off over a longer period than 12 months. But as you said, it's really uh, a primary driver of uh, expansion or growth. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But as you said, Ren, it's more about how it appears relative to everything else on the books, Yeah. which, as we said, pretty healthy. All right, so financials, anything else you want to add there? No, that's, um, that's pretty good. I think 
Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting company at this yeah. point. Yeah. So one other thing we should talk about with Financials, Ren, is it's all well and good to look at what has happened in the past, but it's always good to look at what they are recommend or what they are saying is going to be happening in the future. So for 2019, FY 2019, EBITDA, they're doing 24 to 27 million, which is a growth of 30 to 45%. Whether or not the investors will be happy with that, We'll find out. Well, given the share price jumped so much the day that they put that guidance out, you'd probably say they are happy with it. Pressure is on to actually yeah. do that. So I guess the last thing that I would do is try and value it. And this is obviously fraught because uh, there's a lot of assumptions that go into this. There's a lot of different methods we can use. So a commonly used method is a discount cash flow method. And it is essentially valuing the current, the cash that the company is generating uh, this year and the cash that you expect the company to generate in the future discounted to today's value. And so a really concept, conceptually, a really simple way to think about it is you could go out today and buy government bonds that pay 4% every year, risk-free or essentially risk-free. So that that is the risk-free price uh, risk-free rate if you're going to put your money in something that's riskier than that you would expect a better return and so the discount cash flow method is a way to try and value the future earnings of a company discounted against the risk-free rate my only concern with it is that there's a lot of assumptions that you build in heaps of assumptions yeah you have to you have to build in what you assume the company's growth rate is going to be you have to build in what the risk-free rate is you have to build in yeah just a a lot of assumptions um so when i did it the fair value of the company came in anywhere from like a dollar and four cents to a dollar and fifty cents depending on the assumptions that you built in it's trading at right now at about a dollar ninety six so it's a little bit expensive some may argue that this year is an outlier because of the squeezed margins, which obviously affected the amount of cash the business generated. But yeah, so that, that sort of ballpark. Something that I think I probably prefer to look at, there is a thing which is a reverse discount cash flow. If people are getting confused, don't worry, don't, about, don't worry about doing this. Just, to, just skip this part of the podcast. <laughs> but really... Rather than spitting out a number at the end of it, the reverse spits out the implied growth rate in the current share price. So it says for the share price, which is as we're recording, it's a dollar ninety six to be justified based on you know the discount rate that we're talking about and stuff like that. Uh, what is the implied growth rate in the company for the next twelve months or for the next? So you can set the number of years. Yeah, Generally, yeah. you would do sort of ten years. Okay. And using this year's earnings, FY18's earnings, it came in at about 19%, 19.9%. Using last year's earnings, which were a bit higher because there wasn't as much margin squeeze, it came out at about 14%. And so... Over 10 years, you foot? Yeah, yeah. No, per annum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So rather than trying to spit out an exact number for the company's value... Sometimes it's good to just do that, look at what the implied growth rate is in the current share price, and then ask yourself, is that realistic? Mm. Is that 19.9% mm. per annum growth uh, in earnings realistic? I would say 
look, it's you could definitely make a case that it is. It's probably, it's probably you know, there's a lot of headwinds with Amazon and the fact that all these other companies are going out of business around them is probably a red flag. But I, you know, if they take all those sales, then yeah, maybe not unachievable. And who knows? They might have some years where they're at 30, 35%, other years when they're down. But if you can average that 14% over 10 years, then great. For the listeners, Ren, how did you actually work that out, that discounted cash flow? Because not like you don't have to tell us the figures, but (laughs) there are a lot of different models out there. So there you can, was it via Excel? Did you find something online? Did you do pen and paper envelope? Oh, mate, I wish I could do pen and paper. Um, I just Googled DCF calculator. Yeah. And there's a bunch out there. Yeah. And you just put the, you put your numbers in. The numbers you can find from sort of Yahoo Finance and then, yeah, it just spits it out. And I want to do an episode on discounted cash flow because, as you said, there's a lot of assumptions. And really, this is the true heart of what differentiates investors because everyone can use a discounted cash flow. A lot of value-based investors do use discounted cash flow method. But it's about how well and how how well you know the market, how well you know what's going to happen over the 10 years and... The, the finesse in which you can apply these assumptions is what differentiates you between the next investor and how you, how how well you're going to pick stocks over over the next investor next to. So hundred percent, yeah. And that's what's exciting about this as well, I think. And yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. real challenge is you've everyone has the same numbers in front of them, but how you apply them in these is what really yeah, separates yeah. the man from the boys. And it's definitely there's so many different valuation methods out there that you can do. So. You know, that, yeah, you're right. This is a common one for uh, value investors, but a, a, another common one is liquidation value of a company. Mm-hmm. And so if the company was to go belly up today and it sold all its real estate and inventory and everything, like, would the investor get their money back? And mm. then that builds in a margin of safety. Mm. So there's, there's plenty of ways you can value it. So if you're completely lost at this point in the conversation, don't worry about it. Yeah. The main thing is just, what we did the exercise that we did up to this point which was look at the company look at the industry look at how it's going to compete look at the key metrics one thing we didn't really talk about was sort of price to earnings and stuff mm, like that it's but, all right we've but got look at four those, other companies we can yeah do that. yeah yeah look at those ratios and then just decide if you think if you think the company is uh is primed for success in the future and even if you don't know what all the numbers mean starting you've got to start somewhere and over time, you'll start to understand the relationship between them and you'll understand the relationship between those numbers and numbers of other companies as well within the same industry. And uh, don't be scared to open up a balance sheet and have a look. Like You've, you've got to do it somewhere. Yeah, mate. When we started this podcast, I didn't know the difference between an ETF and an LIC. So. <laughs> look at where you are now. DCFs. <laughs> I know, I know. Look, anyone can do it. you just got to listen to every episode of this podcast. <laughs> Well, Ren, that was really fun. I enjoyed that. We we were lucky enough to start with a pretty decent company, I think. Yeah. Um, gonna, I'm going to put it on the watch list just to follow, see how we go. Maybe in 12 months' time, we can check back in and see how Baby Bunting's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next Christmas special. We've got four companies to come, some of them less exciting, but I'm sure we'll find some different ways to chat about them. We'll make them exciting. Yeah. yeah. So in summary, Ren, as you said, we discussed what the company was about their a bit about their management and their strategy going forward. We looked at competition, some of the major financials, and then wrapped up with a bit of a valuation. 
and nothing there unachievable, all found online, all free. And honestly, if you just set aside 45 minutes or so, you can definitely come up with something like that. So I encourage you all to, to get started. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how they pertain to your individual situation. Hey, Equity Mates. I uh, really appreciate the support and love that we get from all of you guys. Obviously, we are doing this for free. We don't expect any money from anyone and we, we do it for the love of investing and equities. But there is one thing that we could really appreciate your support from. Ren? Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, we don't ask for money. Although if you want to send it our way, we wouldn't say no. <laughs> but the biggest thing you can do to help us to help us grow the podcast, to get more people listening, is to just jump on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use and give us a rating. Ideally, five stars. If not, if you think we're only worth three, then that's your decision. <laughs> but yeah, it helps us massively uh, in the ratings uh, and to get more listeners and to grow the brand. Nice. Leave a review and also tell your mates. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.